Oh, the media monkeys and the junket junkies invite you to the plastic pantomime. Oh, I see. So now I'm an outsider. Nobody is online. Media outsiders. Let's broaden our minds. Rock and roll. Showtime. Welcome to the Media Outsiders, a look at media from the outsider's point of view. If you want to be on the show, call 724-898-2110. Now here's your host, Logan. Great host, you say? Then I'm Logan. Well, it's Saturday night, so that means it's time for the show that's heard coast-to-coast, nation-to-nation, entertainment on and that's the Media Outsiders. I'm your host, Logan, and the Media Outsiders is recorded now normally every other week, so please tune in and check us out on Saturdays, and I might be making some changes to how the show is done in the future, so be on the lookout for that. But if you'd like to call in, you can always call us, 724-898-2110, or join our chat room at www.tinyurl.com forward slash media outsiders. Also, be sure to check out our website, mediaoutsiders.com. You'll find all of our past episodes there and a lot of other fun stuff. Well, we've only got one person joining us today. We've been off for a while, and we've only got one back in the groove, and that is Kindar. Hello, Kindar. Hey, Logan. Yeah, you sound a little dragged out there. Uh, a little bit. So uh, where where are you at? What are you doing? Uh, I'm in Brampton, Ontario. Uh, I'm at the I'm actually in our yard. Uh, the interesting thing is my house is about uh, about about a 15 minute bus drive bus ride from here. But I did not feel like seeing people today, so I've stayed in my truck. Which means I've got a really, really bad internet connection, so I can't log onto this onto Media Outsider to be on the chat room. So, and um, I can't remember if I mentioned my last book on the previous show, Finding the Line, or not. You did, but I you was, can mention it again. Okay. Well, I, I, I was gonna. If I could log in, I would put the link to. Um, to the page on the chat room, but uh, yeah, it's my latest novel, Finding the Line, a, an adult um, urban fant- futuristic urban fantasy story about a police detective who finds out that his family history is more than what he thought. Okay. And they can get that where? Well, that's kind of the thing. It's available on Amazon, on Kobo, and a bunch of places. I've got a page that links everything. I wanted to give it on the um, on a sub, but I don't even. I can't even access that to get that link right now. So my, I'm well, really, thing, I'm really not happy with my uh, my provider today. The key thing you said that it is available on Amazon, so they can search and find it there. Yep, it's finding the line. All right, excellent. Well, we might have a, just a short show tonight, talk a little bit about some of the movies out and some of the shows going on. Uh, I'm looking here, and looks like yesterday some news came out that 
I uh, I've missed. And I'm just finding it now. And there has been a report from Dean Devlin. And of course, he is very well known also with uh, Roland Emmerich. Probably their best well-known movie they made was Independence Day. But a lot of people remember that they made Stargate back in 1994, the original movie. Did you ever see the movie Stargate? Oh, yes. Yes, I quite enjoyed it. You know, I I hated it. I did not. I really? sat there. It was long. It was boring for me. And now I don't care a whole lot about Egyptian mythology, stuff like that. So that probably brought a lot of it into it. But I mean, in my case, it was, it was very dull. Okay. I looking at the watch all the time. I remember that. I enjoy, I mean, uh, I, I did not see it in theater. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm not really a theater goer. Uh, I caught, I bought the DVD, and I remember enjoying it quite a lot. I, I thought it was, what I liked as a storyteller, it was the originality of the concept. Because, you know, there's been a lot of conspiracy, well, I don't know if there's conspiracy, but people who theorize that, you know, the pyramids were created by aliens who visited us, and the show took that and played with it, and I thought they played with it really well. Yeah, and I mean, since I've seen it a number of times since then, and I'm a little bit more fond of it, but I'm a huge fan of Stargate SG-1, the TV series that came out starring Richard Dean Anderson. Same here. Stargate Atlantis, the first spinoff, which is my favorite of the Stargate franchise, and Stargate Universe. In fact, I have them all. I got every episode of all three series. I was just watching some SG-1 before the show, actually. But for the longest time, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich has been saying that they are going to do a reboot or a remake of Stargate and completely erase the the TV franchise from from the storyline. Okay. I, uh, I I honestly I'm going to say I think it's a mistake, but okay, it's their it's their show. Well, they have just come out and maybe this is after the doubts of what happened with them bringing back Independence Day resurgence after 20 years and it bombing in the box office. Uh, they have just come out yesterday to announce that they will not be moving forward with anything Stargate remake. So, I will not complain. Nope. Even though there's not a whole lot referenced in the TV series with it, there is, there is an inside joke that Richard Dean Anderson always does, especially in the second season. Where he's he always says his name. My name's O'Neill, and that's with two L's. There's another O'Neill out there with with one L, and he has no sense of humor. Oh, and is, is that because of the movie? Yeah, because O'Neill in the movie, if you remember, Kurt Russell played him as a by the book character, very yeah, very serious. He was just like a month or so outside of his son's accidental death with his service pistol. Yeah. And he, the Stargate program is pretty much what saved his life. He was suicidal 
the character in a way. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I remember that. I just I did not rem- rec- I I did not notice that the name was spelled differently. They added a second L, and Richard Dean Anderson said that what you have to do is the same character, but you have to allow me to play it a little bit more humorous. Yes. Yeah. I remember. I remember an article about that. And the other thing also he wanted is he wanted the issue of his son's death and its impact to be resolved fairly quickly. Which it was in the first season. But yeah. in, the, in the second season, a lot of times he'll actually use a line where he's talking to someone and he'll say, it's O'Neill, O-N-E-I-L-L, two L's. And then he'll say, there's another O'Neill out there with one L in no sense of humor. And <laughs> I joke to Kurt Russell. I, 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 I never made the, the connection. Other than that, and other than the fact that, in fact, I was watching the two-part episode, episode tonight, the Tok'ra, where they introduced the Tok'ra to the series. Yep. And where they explained to the Tok'ra that SG-1, or really Jackson and O'Neill, were the team that went out and took out Ra. And that was pretty much the only reference. There's not a whole lot of references to the movie from the TV series. Yeah, that is true. But I'm glad that they're not doing it because I don't want to see them erase the uh, all the franchises from it. The franchises, I love them. I love the TV movies they made with them. I wish they would have done a Stargate Atlantis movie. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. I, I, I've got to say, the last Stargate movie did I uh, it left me cold. Well, okay, it was it was an Antarctic in in, Arct- in, uh, in the Arctic. So yeah, uh, yeah, I I didn't care for that one. I mean, it was it was not bad. It's just mm, I don't know. It, like I said, it left me cold. I'm not trying to do a pun. It just that's how it left me. Well, since it is a nice little pun because they actually did film up at the North Pole and use a real Navy submarine to break through the ice and everything. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, yes, I, I yeah I knew that. I I've got the DVD, so I listened to the commentary, and I I was really impressed with that that sequence where the they were saying, you know, we need the submarine to come up around there, and the captain went where, and and, and they put you know he said put an X somewhere. At Put an X where you want me to come. And literally, the, the top came up right center on the X. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, because I actually watched a uh, Netflix video on submarines in the Antarctic, stuff like that. I don't know if you know how they do that. But actually, when they paint the X, it's a metallic paint. So that way, the the, the sensors on the submarine can read the magnetic particles from the paint and that's how they can pinpoint exactly where to come up, since, of course, there's no windows on a submarine. I did not know that. I did not know that's how. I, I, thought, it was so, I, didn't, I thought it was something to that effect, that they had something that could see through the ice, obviously. But I thought that the paint was just enough. But, again, metallic paint makes a lot more sense that, you know, it's denser, and in this case, it, uh, it's magnetic, so... Well, I mean, you you couldn't figure that. Say say the uh, the ice shelf is ten feet thick. If they were just like a regular Walmart paint, black paint on the ice, you wouldn't be able to see through it from ten feet. Like I said there's no windows on a sub anyways, so 
they'd have no way to well, pinpoint that out. So I, I that's thought they, they I, I, you know, yeah, I understand. But I thought they had something that literally let them see through the ice. You know, that's I, I know nothing. I make I make no claim of knowing anything about submarine. So I just figured that's how they did. They had something like a, a sonar of some sort that could see through the ice, and they were able to see the X. So. But, yep, it's from what uh, Netflix says, it's a magnetic-type paint, and they're able to scan and see the magnetic imagery. So, there you go. Very cool. But back with Stargate, luckily, like I said to say, we are seeing no reboots. So, sorry about that, guys. Hey, I'm not complaining. No, no one, I'm sorry, but no one should be sorry about that. Well, there's some people that don't like the Stargate SG series, so. Well, they don't have to watch it. Nope. They, they, can, they, can, they can week after week sit in front of their television set and watch two hours of Stargate, the movie, and, you know, be content with that. There, there's a few novels out there which aren't bad, but frankly, the, the TV series is way better. Uh, you know, they've got plenty to keep them happy. Yep. Now, some other news that has come out also. Amelia Clark. Most people know her from Game of Thrones, of course, playing Daenerys. She was also Sarah Connor in in uh, Terminator Genesis that bombed. She has joined the cast of a movie, and she is now officially going to be in the Han Solo prequel movie that will be coming out in a couple of years from now. She's going to play his wife. Well, Han Solo was never married that we know of. Okay, if this is this is going to depend a lot on what D, uh, on what Disney does, because they after Disney bought Star Wars, they came out with a series of comics that are supposed to be canon, and in those comics, they introduce Solo's wife. Uh, yes, and I have read most of those comics. I haven't kept up to the storyline. I did read where they introduced her. And it is a black lady who is as much of a scoundrel as Han Solo is. And she keeps saying that she is his wife. And have you read all the comics? Oh, I have not read any. Um, I This is just something I saw. Uh, uh, somebody posted something about it online. So I, you know... I don't know what they did with it. Um, what, I, what I vaguely remember is she would keep telling Leia that she's his wife, and Han would keep denying it. And Han told oh, okay. her she's more of a tr- trying to be out there and causing trouble. Okay, well, no, that's fine. Like you know, a I've and, got and in all in all honesty, I I have I would not have any problem if they decided he had a wife. It, it, it was just you know. It was the shock of it when they did it, and when you were mentioning about it, I went, okay, there we go. They're going to put the wife in the, uh, in the movie. It might have been where she might have played his wife during some scam they did at one time. But I, I figure just logically she's going to be some former girlfriend. I mean, because he gets around, so. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a, and it's a prequel, so, it, you know, he, he can do anything... 
pretty much, but th- but get killed. Yeah, um, we can't have that unless we find out. Gee, he was a clone. Hmm. They kill him I off. Think, I, I think we'd be, I think we'd be going a little. Yeah, that might be a li- going a little too far, even for Star Wars. Yeah, you're right, but still, something to throw out there. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to use that idea, make sure you give me credit. Give me some pay for it. So, well, it looks like for the well for the past two weeks we have had a a movie in the number one spot in the box office. And of course, uh, actually, before before you go to that, uh, there's one piece of news. I don't know if it's going to be of interest to you, uh, but um, Young Justice is getting its oh, third yes. season. I loved Young Justice, and I do hope, here. I do hope they bring back the entire cast. Uh, well, the creators are the same, and it's going to be on Netflix. So my guess is we're going to get something pretty damn good. Well, I'm just talking about the voice casting, that they're able to bring them all back again. Yeah, I I haven't heard anything about that. Because one of them, the one who played uh, Aqualad, I forgot his name, in the show, and uh, plays him, is, is in very high demand right now. Uh Carrie Payton, I believe, is the actor's name or something like that. Okay. But he is the voice of uh, Cyborg in Teen Titans Go. So he's working a lot there. He mm-hmm. didn't fly back on Young Justice. And well, now, I, I was going to say, now, now he is a reoccurring star on one of the top TV shows on cable TV right Which one? The Walking Dead. Oh, never mind. He plays King King Ezekiel in The Walking Dead, who was just introduced two or three weeks ago. Cool. Fan favorite in the in the comic books. And you might have seen some pictures on if you've been checking media once. He's the character that has a tiger as his pet. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look for a picture of that. I have something against tigers being being depicted as, as somebody's pets. Well, they they use a logical thing and explain it in the comic, and oh. they did on a TV show. So, but no, I, I and here's the thing. I have nothing against them doing it. Uh, it's simply that I will not go looking for that kind of depiction. So, you know, if I come across it by, by on, I'm not going to, you know, make a, uh, you know, uh, go ballistic and, and, and go about how they have no right and all that kind of stuff. It shows that, you know, I don't go looking for them. If I see them, I don't promote those kind of picture. And that's, you know, where it ends. That, that's all it is for me. And I guess when I said pet, that's my own word because Ezekiel describes it more as a partnership. So... Nope. Just kind of interesting that, in the zombie land. That, that's a little more acceptable, but you know, um, he he has a chain on on Shiva. That's the tiger's neck, but it's not chained to anything. So I mean, the tiger could run off, and in fact, they say in the, the first episode they show him 
if Shiva wanted to, she could just run off and rip his arm right out of the socket with it, but she knows that she's protecting him and he protects her, and it's a partnership. Interesting. Yeah. But the actor is in wide demand right now, so I don't know if he'll have time to come back full-time for Young Justice. So, Well, the, the big advantage to doing voices is that he can do a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah, but when you're in every single episode, that's a little different thing there. And he is on a couple of shows, including, like I said, Teen Titans Go!, mm-hmm. So. True, but but the thing is, it's not like when he's on when he's filming for The Walking Dead. You know, when he's filming for The Walking Dead, he basically has to be there every day, all day, because they're going to need him at any point. You know, once the script is written for the character and all that, they can literally compress all his dialogue and have him do that in you know however long it takes to do it. You know, and then it's done, and then they might have him. They might need to bring him back a couple of times to do uh, updates and stuff like that. So you know, it it. I I think it it's easier to, you know, for him to make time to do that than it would be to try and appear on a different TV show kind of thing. And actually, most voice actors now just work out of their home studio. I am friends with with someone who we interviewed back in 2010. James Arnold yeah. Taylor, and he's one of the top voice actors, and he's been putting yeah, out a series, a series of YouTube videos about life of a voice actor. Well, yeah, and then today with today's technology, that makes a lot of sense. So, so yeah. that makes it even easier. But yes, that that is coming out. I'm looking forward to it myself, and uh, quite happy. I've been watching the news on how they've been trying to push it and get people out there. And the fact that people keep rewatching it on Netflix is the main thing that Netflix saw. It's kind of like, there's a lot of interest. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I really want to see this. I mean, if they can maintain the quality we had for the first two seasons, this is a show I would like to see ongoing. Yeah, so would I. Well, let's talk some about movies here. And can... Mm-hmm. You seen Doctor Strange? I have seen Doctor Strange. What did you think? And by the way, right now we were talking the box office a moment ago. It won the last two weeks as number one in the box office, of course. Cool. Total is one hundred sixty-eight point six million dollars, five hundred and nine worldwide. But Very nice. this weekend it's going to be knocked out of first place. Uh, the Harry Potter one. The, um... Yep. Which we'll talk about next because I saw that y- the other day. Cool. What did you think about Doctor Strange, the newest in the Marvel Cinematic uni- Universe here? Okay. I liked it overall. I thought, I thought, the, I, okay, the visuals are amazing. I mean, th- there are there, there there are parts of that movie where you could just turn the sound off and just watch, and you you're entranced by what they're showing. Uh, the action is pretty good. There's a, a fair number of good fight scenes. I I love the the character 
interplay. Uh, there's been a lot of places where people have complained about the quote-unquote romance between Doctor Strange and the nurse. And I thought that, one, there was no romance there. But, two, it was handled perfectly. She was not a romantic interest in the sense of he was in love with her. There was a dynamic there. It was well showed. It worked for what we had there. Maybe in the, in the next movie it might get more serious. We're left with that. Um, well, I well, have they, no... they were boyfriend and girlfriend. No, they weren't. Yes, no, they yes, weren't. Yes, they she were. Tried, she tried, but he never did anything with it. Well, when he, when he was in his depression afterwards and trying to figure out, that's when everything went south for them. And she, no, no, not even... Well, okay. I, I think at this point we'd be on the level of interpretation, but I, the way I read it, even before that, the, the, the relationship had fallen apart. So that for the, for the movie, we have no actual romance in it. And, and I thought that was perfect for the movie. Well, I agree there. There was no romance in that regard because you have to show him as an arrogant bastard. Yeah, which, which yeah and it was well done. Oh, yeah. Um, fight scenes were fun. Uh, I had no problem with the changes they made with the old one, but I'm not, I'm not one of those people who are adamant about everything being the way it was originally done. I, I don't mind updating. Um, I, I, I'll say what almost everybody has said about Marvel movies. The villain was kind of blah, but eh, he got the job done. Uh, I, I liked the okay. I liked the final resolution, but at the same time, I was disappointed by it. And the reason I was disappointed has nothing to do with it being good or bad. It's actually very good. It's that at, this is the fourteenth Marvel uh, movie, I think, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it's the fourteenth or something like that. Something and like that. In fact, every, I have the, the website up right now. Let's see if it says what number it is. It is the 14th, yes. Okay. Every movie before that has shown us a, a one type of resolution to a Marvel Cinematic movie. And this one goes in a slightly different direction. And, and it took me about two weeks to figure out why I, I was disappointed. By it. And that's it. I was expecting one type of resolution. And they gave us they gave they gave us a different one, and for me that was that was jarring. So that that left me going. I'm not sure that I like the way it ended, and, but you know, and now that I know why I like the way it ended, it's just I was expecting something different. It ends perfectly for a, a Doctor Strange movie, though. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, what would you give the movie? Um, having talked, I mean, when, when I was going through it in my head, I said I was going to have to give it a six because of what, how, how disappointed I was. But having talked through it now, I'd say it's about, about a seven and a half. That's about what I give it to. Now, I'm coming at it a little bit different. And that is, I am not a strange fan. I know oh, I'm not a strange fan myself. <laughs> I've never read the comic books. I know them from the Spider-Man cartoon stuff like that. So I don't know the whole history of it. All I knew is that he had a, 
a manservant, Wong, who they changed and made more into the librarian here and also his mentor, or now to be his mentor. Uh, and I, I'm good with that idea. And the guy who played played Wong did a great job. Oh, yeah. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was fantastic as Doctor Strange, but then again, he's fantastic in pretty much most of anything he does. Yeah, but only as he finally, but he has the look. Yeah. Uh, And then you even have, and I'm just going down here looking at the credits here, you have Chewelter, Elja Ford, I I can always, I can never get his name right, (laughs) but uh, playing Mordo, good job Mm -hmm. there. The the one that a lot of people had problems with with and I didn't, but then again I don't know the character was Tilda Swanton as the ancient one. Yes, yeah. Uh, in the comic, the ancient one is a t- an old Tibetan monk um, who has been alive for a very long time and has the name the ancient one. But he's a man and he's Tibetan. So that, that that's was part of the, the the big hoopla about whitewashing, you know, the fact that they made it they made the character a white woman and all uh, and all that stuff. And they made her Celtic for her background. Yep. Bald and I had no problem with it. I think she did a good job. Oh yeah. Well, you know, she's amazing in pretty much everything she does. So I mean, I enjoyed it. There was a nice little uh, mid credit scene. Yes. We had one of the Avengers pop in. That's all I'll say there. Yep. There was a post-credit scene, which after I sat and watched the whole movie, I could have said, well, I could have left and really not missed anything. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. The other, the, the second post-credit scene, I think, is more there to set up the next movie than anything else. The next strange movie. Yeah. But, I mean, I could have walked out and really not been disappointed missing it. So, but I mean, other than that, I I thought the movie was done good. The uh, Sanctum, uh, his his place there in New York was mm-hmm. what you would expect. I did get a kick out of the Cloak of Levitation, how it seemed to have more of a little life to it. And yeah, and, and, and that has nothing that has nothing to do with the comic. In the comic, it is just the Cloak of Levitation. I I did enjoy. That it's got personality in the movie. And how it shows Stephen Strange. Yep. So. Yeah. But yeah, I give it a, I give it an 8 out of 10. I'll, I'll go see the next one when it comes out. Uh, it's not enough to make me want to go read the comics, but... Okay. But I don't think that... I honestly don't think that that's what the movies are there for. I, I don't... I think the movies... I, maybe that's maybe that was the thought originally, but at this point, I think the movies exist completely independently of the comics, and they're not a gateway to the comic and uh, the, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're there for their own sake, and I think that's how they work. Uh, I think that if they try to make them dependent on the comics, I think it would fall apart. But yet, growing up, the only Marvel comic I was a big fan of was the X-Men and Wolverine. I never... 
I had never read an Iron Man comic. I never read the Avengers comics. After seeing the first Iron Man film, I went out and picked up some of the Iron Man comics to read and get more history. Same thing with the Avenger comics. So, I mean, we're gateways, and they brought me into the comics. Do I get the comics each week? No. But still, I went out and, and read into them, because I was more of a DC fan with Batman and Green Lantern. So yeah, you see, you see, with me, they've never done that. Uh, none of the movies have ever made me want to grab the comics, uh, even to catch up or anything like that. Uh, okay, granted, um, I I do have a generalized knowledge of the Marvel universe, so that might be why. Um, but yeah, no, for me, the, the 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 movies exist completely independently of the comics and all that. Well, my knowledge, I mean, you know who people are comes mostly from the 90s uh spider-man the animated series stuff like that yeah well i've i used to read a lot of comic related news so i I get a lot of my information that that way i mean i'm out of date (laughs) but i i did grow up with the 1970s with the original captain america cartoon incredible hulk cartoon stuff yes i remember those but this weekend, Doctor Strange is going to be knocked out of first place by something even stranger. And I know you <laughs> have not had the time to go see it, if you want to at all. I, well, you see, when, it, when, the, when the advertising started for it, it, you know, Harry Potter universe, blah, 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 right then and there, it made me go, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not a fan of Harry Potter. I've, never, I've read a few of the books, and it's never made me a fan. And then as I started seeing advertising for it, I, I started going, okay, this is looking a little more in, uh, more my speed. And now I'm kind of, I, I, I may not, I, I, I am not going to go see the first one in theater. Uh, I'm, I, I don't trust the franchise that much. But I will be buying it on DVD for sure. And from what I see there, the I, it, it's possible that I'll see the next, four or five ones in theater. Yeah, and first of all, I announced this our last show. Originally, this was going to be a three-part movie. They have now said it's going to be five movies. Um, Yeah, that's what I heard. I went and saw it, and I have seen all the Potter films. I've read all the Potter books. And for those who don't know the history of the movie and everything about it, it's called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It was actually a small little $3 supplementary book that J.K. Rowling wrote around the time of the third movie coming out. And she did it for the the Englishes. They have the children in need telethon type things they do every year. And that's where Doctor Who does a little five-minute special episodes a lot of times, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. there's a charity, and what it is is supposed to be an encyclopedia of all the different animals and beasts that they talk about in the books and in the movies. And the book is actually mentioned in the first book as one of their textbooks. Yep. So so the, the book is canon. And they decided, well, we want to make a cash cow out of it and make a movie. And what the movie does is it takes place 70 years before Harry Potter is born. 
a newt scarmanger, the the magicologist who goes around looking for these beasts. He's a zoologist, magical zoologist. And he's writing a book about all these magical creatures. And this book takes place in the early 20s in New York City. So we get to see the magical world outside of Europe for once, outside of England. But we get to see the American version of it. And that that was in there. My thoughts on the film, I have to give it two different scores. The special effects, just for an entertainment aspect, I give it 8 out of 10. Connecting to the Harry Potter, I give it a 4. And you said you've never seen a Harry Potter film? Well, I've I've seen a couple of them. I just uh, mainly because friends brought me to them, uh, but I've never cared for the movies. No. Now you know, as you watch a Harry Potter film, most of it is character driven. I mean, yes, there's special effects that represent the magic and stuff like that, but they're not throwing you every step of the way. Here, they were throwing the beast at you every step of the way. It seemed like almost every frame there had to be a different beast being thrown at you so they can say, Fantastic Beasts! Let's <laughs> toys. And you, if you've seen the pictures and stuff like that or the clips, Eddie Redmayne plays Newt and he's walking around with a, with a briefcase, with a suitcase. And using magic, he can actually step inside the suitcase where it's kind of like the TARDIS. It's giant on the inside. And that's where he keeps all these hundreds of creatures in their own environments. Okay, that was cool. You don't need to get a hotel room. You put, you stash your your suitcase somewhere. You step inside. He actually has a an apartment inside the suitcase. Okay, that that was that was neat. But they were showing us like ten or twelve different environments in the suitcase: the jungle one, the the forest, this, that, and everything else. And it just seemed like overkill. It was like they have we have to throw everything at you just to to get you interested you know it's part of the Harry Potter but yet they okay. here, here, here's my question okay if it like if it wasn't part of the Harry Potter series if it had nothing to do with Harry Potter what would you think of the movie I would still say eight for entertainment because outside of the Harry Potter, and there's a little twist at the end, in the character magic wands, and you have the differences, no match is what the Americans call someone without magic, a normal person. Okay. Whereas, yeah. you know, in England, it's, they're called muggles. Muggle. Yeah. Okay. Other than there's the little language issues there, whether he's arguing with the female leader, didn't know what a nomad was. Oh, a, a non-magical person. Oh, we call them muggles. And then arguing about which school is the best in the world. Liver yeah. or which is the English, the American school versus Hogwarts. I mean, yeah. that was the only real reference. They mentioned Dumbledore once or twice by name. 
one character who will be the main character from the Harry Potter canon will be uh, uh, Gren- uh, what? how do you pronounce his name? Oh, second here. Grendelwald. Grendelwald. Who was introduced in the last two movies there. Uh, he is the most dangerous dark wizard of all time, second only to Voldemort. Okay. In around 1945, he he was also Dumbledore's best friend. And they explained this in The Deathly Hollows. And when they explained Dumbledore's gay, this was, he was in love with this guy. Yeah, that I knew because there was a there was an, an article somewhere at some point where the movie makers wanted to give Dumbledore a love interest. Mm-hmm. And she had to go, well, he's gay. And they went, okay, we're not touching this. Well, actually, she announced that he was gay after the last movie came out. So that way people look back at hindsight. Because... Supposedly. Well, she, she she announced it after the last movie came out, but for those of us who pay attention to uh, movie news, that actually got uh, happened before, so that, you know, there's a few of us who weren't surprised by it because we already knew because of that article. Because that, okay. that article came out before, because, because, you know, like I said, they wanted, you know, they wanted to give Dumbledore a love interest. And you know, uh, and actually, I think I, I think that came off uh, in the gay circle news. So um, you know, because she said he's gay, and at that point they went, "We're not touching it," you know, which kind of yeah. made the gay the, the gay people go, eh, "Well, you know, okay, you're well, good." The, but the character is introduced in the Deathly Hallows and in the last two movies via the the biography on Dumbledore after he had passed away. And they were explaining how he had teamed up after leaving, after graduating from Hogwarts with Grendelwald. And as he became a dark wizard, Dumbledore was the one to take him down. Yeah. Okay. Making Dumbledore all the greater, and that's how he started his rise to stardom, was taking down the, the most dangerous dark wizard of all time. Until Voldemort popped up. Mm-hmm. And keep talking in this movie about Grindelwald. Because he's alive at this time, and he is starting to do his dark wizardry attacks in Europe. And they're afraid that it's going to eventually come overseas, over to America. So they, they keep throwing that out. Okay. Now, for anyone who's listening to this after the fact... I'm going to give a spoiler to the movie here. And Kinder, I don't know if you're going to see the movie you said. I think you said after. Well, like I said, on DVD is when I'll see it. You may have heard about this. They have hired for the the further movies Johnny Depp. Okay. And he, he is going to play Grendelwald. Okay, I haven't said that often, but ugh, I'm not sure. The spoiler for uh, this film, and if anyone's listening to to this, you want to turn away for about the next minute. Colin Farrell plays a high-ranking aura, which is their police squad, and the director of magic, magical security in the United States. 
and he's the antagonist throughout the film. When they finally catch him at the end, it turns out that he is actually Grendelwald in disguise. Grendelwald has come to the United States and has infiltrated the headquarters of the United States Magical Congress. In the last minute, when they reveal who he actually is, he transforms into a white-haired, white-mustached Johnny Depp, who's on screen for about two minutes. I mean, he's a decent actor. I... Now, I went to the very early... I, I, I'm... I went to the early showing, 10 o'clock in the morning show yesterday. And it, it had about 50 people. And when Eddie Redmayne, his character, uses a spell to reveal, he senses something's wrong with, with the character of Graves, played by Colin Farrell. So he uses a revealing spell and causes the disguise to fall away. There was an audible gasp from the audience. They weren't expecting Johnny Depp. They knew he was going to be in later on films, but they didn't know that they had snuck in and that it, it had missed the internet, the secrecy. That yeah, that's good for them. So that was the only real connections to the Harry Potter universe. Uh, a few of the, the creatures, if you read the books, you see them here. One of the creatures... Um, is in a way the the real star of the film. Just cute and adorable, and people will love it. <laughs> um, but it was a, a creature that was in the books only, never shown on on film until now. And if you've seen pictures from this film or trailers, it's a little furry little thing with a long platypus duck bill. And it... it comic relief and it was done excellent in that regard well yeah no I haven't I have not noticed that in any of the clips I've seen Eddie Redmayne did a great job Um, so no problem there there was someone who was in the film and I I didn't realize who it was until just now looking at the cast And he he plays a troubled and a troubled adopted boy in the film, and he's a major part of the film. But it was played by Ezra Miller, who is playing Flash in the DC universe, the movies. Yep. So I did not even recognize the the actor. Oh, that's a good sign for him. And one other good thing out there, in it's one person's name. Whenever you say this person's name, you know he does a fantastic job. Ron Perlman's in the film. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Doesn't have a big big spot. He's about ten minutes. But he plays a goblin who owns a speakeasy nightclub. Okay, that's going to be interesting. So... Yeah, he he did a good job. In fact, they made the goblin, which in the movie series is only about two, three feet tall. 
anyways. Yep. They they even gave him Perlman's facial facial looks to it. <laughs> Normally the goblins good. have a very narrow pointed face with big ears like Yoda. But this one here they made him a more of a rounded lantern jawed type look looking like Ron Perlman. <laughs> cool. So I knew he was in it, I knew what he played, but I, I love Ron Perlman pretty much everything he does. I am not gonna go that far, but I've enjoyed him in a lot of stuff, yes. But once again, for my score, eight just for the entertainment value, four for the fact that it seemed like they were trying just to throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink. (laughs) And I think they could have cut out half of the creatures and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, what more magical things can we put in the movie? And the Harry Potter films never did that. There was a lot of magic, yes. But it wasn't like they were trying to cram something in every every five seconds just to throw it at you. This movie did. I, it may be the difference of the kind of source material they've got to go with, to uh, to start with, because with the novels, with the Harry Potter novels, they had a lot of stuff pre-established with the feel of it, and. Um, and stuff, and you know, simply went with the sheer quantity of what's in the books because they're pretty damn thick. Uh, you know, they can't put everything, so they had to cut stuff out. You know, while with this, the movie is made to be a movie, so you know, they they probably didn't. The mindset was different in the making. Would be that's my thought on it. Okay. Well, I do have one more movie to talk about, then I have a game to talk about briefly. But last week I went to see a movie, and uh, one that I've been wanting to see watching the trailers. And right now it only has 34 million domestic, came out on the 11th. Worldwide, let me take a look here. 45 million total worldwide. Ooh. Now, it's a strange little film. Its budget is 47. It'll make the money back, but it's called Arrival. Ah, yes, I have heard of, of that movie. Starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker. And what it is. It's a thinking man science fiction film. Going back along the lines of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And what happens is 12 alien ships, they call them shells, land in different mysterious spots around the, around the world. The U.S. government comes and contacts Amy Adams' character, the Louisa Banks, because she's a a language expert, and they bring her there to decipher the the language from the one in Montana, which is where the only shell has landed in the United States. And there she hooks up with a, with a uh, theoretical physicist played by Jeremy Renner, a th- 
most people know him as uh, Hawkeye from the Avengers film. And Forrest Whitaker plays an army colonel who's in charge of the team. And they go into the craft. They have 18 hours at a time. The door opens. They go in for and stay there for 18 hours. They come out. And she makes contact with the aliens on the other side of a glass wall, because different environments, using pictures and writing out words and stuff like that to slowly get a language between the two. And that's really what the whole film is about, was deciphering the language and trying to prevent us stupid humans from taking the wrong action and decide that they wanted to do harm. So, it was a fascinating film, but if you're going looking for a science fiction film like Space Fantasies, where it's all shoot 'em ups and stuff like that, don't go. You'll be disappointed. But it's actually a thinking science fiction film. One that when you walk out, it, you're sitting there thinking through everything, going, hmm. And we have... Uh, Born in the USA, in the, born in the U.S. Air Force has joined us, or they didn't, they dropped out. Welcome and goodbye. Hello, bye. <laughs> yeah, that movie I am definitely going to get on DVD. Um, I, I'm not willing to pay the kind of prices we get these days in theater to go see it there, because I enjoy those kind of movies, but not that much. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely be getting DVD. Maybe when it's on discount, I don't know. I'll, it'll probably depend what my uh, what my list of DVDs looks like at that point. But yeah, I am interested in seeing it. Yeah, it it was a, a great film. I give it nine point five out of ten. Oh wow! Yeah. So because it has you sitting, it has you thinking. The only action you see is watching news coverage of Russia and China wanting to take their naval ships to go blow up the ones in their respective areas. And it's just watching the news coverage. You don't actually go see it. And there are no shots ever fired. So, if you're so, I, I, so, 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 I, you know, so, so everybody but the Americans want to go to war, basically? Well... It also, because it deals with with them learning how to be proficient enough in the alien language, they have to decipher. And the aliens offer symbols that translate into the words offer weapon. But the other countries look at the translations and say it's use weapon. So they think that, that the aliens are going to attack them. So it's, we're going to break off contact with all the other nations and defend ourselves. Mm -hmm. And Banks has to go out and try to get everyone to realize, no, it's that's not what it is. That's not what they're trying to say. That the word weapon has alternative meanings such as tool. So, it's it's more... If you were to actually meet an alien, how are you going to learn to communicate that type movie? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. It's just, it's just that historically, when Americans make a movie, a lot of the time they are shown as being the only one who are who have the wisdom to do the right thing or the patience to get it done. And the rest of the world is shown as going to chaos and all that. So that's, that was the dig I was making. But Well, it was a foreign director, by the way. So, uh, Dennis Villanova, I believe is how it's pronounced. Okay. But, yeah, it, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It'll be one that I'll probably purchase. So, and I saw it for $6.50, so it wasn't a big knockout of the budget. It's not in 3D or anything, so. Another one you saw in matinee? Well, I, I tend to see most of mine, the matinee, the first shows. Cool. It was a studio's Paramount, but it's it felt like an independent film. Oh, that's, I, I did not know Paramount had made it. I yep. thought it was an independent movie. Okay, cool. Nope. All right, and the last thing to talk about here is I've been playing a game which I invited Kindar to play a couple of weeks back, and you need I to am not today. touching it. And why is that? Okay, first, go on with your review and all that, then I'll talk. Apparently, this game came out a couple of years ago, and I missed it. And I don't remember Squidward ever talking about it. It is called Creativerse. And pretty much it's a little better worked out clone of Minecraft. Right there. You've guaranteed I'm not touching it. Well, you like playing Minecraft all the time. Okay. I am utterly addicted to Minecraft. Like, like I cannot afford to play Minecraft. If I play Minecraft, my life disappears. You think I want to play a better version of it? Well, when I say a better version, the, <laughs> the terrain and everything is still the same pixel blocks like in Minecraft. But the, the characters are actually cartoon drawn. They're yeah, not no, I know, I just, on Minecraft. It has I just I, I can't afford like I mean oh, okay I, as an example I made the mistake in October of of playing Minecraft when I was on vacation I barely did any writing for the whole of October because I was obsessed with Minecraft like literally Minecraft is an obsession with me if I make the mistake of opening the game and playing and, and, and going, you know, oh, I'll just look. 20, 48 hours have just disappeared out of my life. So I cannot afford for my life, for my sanity, for my career as a writer to even open those kind of games anymore. I cannot risk it. I have four books a year to put off. I cannot be doing other things when I'm not driving. I have to write. So, okay. uh, so, so that that was you know I was you you were talking about it. So I think no, yeah, um, uh, on G plus you were talking you were talking about it with uh, Squid Lord, and he says it's it's like Minecraft but better. And I went perfect. He's just guaranteed I'm never touching the game. 
and just I, I I I can't I can't afford it. Like those kind of games literally suck my life away. The the neat thing about this game for those that are not having to worry about putting themselves into Minecraft Minecraft Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. For those that want to take a look at this game, Creativeverse, it's free to play. It is an an early release beta. They are coming out with regular updates. They just had one, well, last week, where they're adding pieces here or there. You can also buy into it the pro version, which is $20, which I did, because it gives you a couple of neat little... Well, first of all, when you create your world, you actually have the server modifications opened up if you have the pro version where with the free to play you have to do the the vanilla bare basic world that you start with okay they give you a a glider jetpack with the pro version so you can fly glide around which turns out to be very useful stuff like that yeah flight in those kind of games is always useful but I've, I've joined a, a good server. When I joined, it had 150 people. Now, a week later, it has 300 people in it. And I've just, I've created some, some other, another neat function here is it has blueprints. And the blueprints are free. Well, there's two options. There's free, and then you can buy a paid set. And what they are is they are actually blueprints two different buildings that you can build in the game. I built a castle tower, and the tower looks kind of like the central tower from Stargate Atlantis. Okay? Okay. And what the print does is you lay it out, the cornerstone you lay down where you want it, and it will show you where all the pieces are, and there'll be semi-translucent blocks up here telling you what block you have to put and where. And it actually gives you step-by-step a blueprint for where the various blocks have to go. Now, if you if you buy the package for it, what it does is it will supply you all the various blocks that you need so that you don't have to go out and harvest them yourselves. Okay. I went with the free version of the blueprint and went out and harvested and created the blocks. And I created this huge castle. The, the, the perimeter walls were 30 by 30 blocks. I did that in a day and a half. And not constant playing either. Cool. And I use that as just my, my cover front for my building. Because I, I Minecraft and here I prefer to do everything underground. Excuse me. Uh, with the blueprints, can you make blueprints? Not right now. I don't know if they're going to have a thing where later on, because remember, this is early beta release. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just because you, I mean, you know, they're there, so I was wondering if they... Uh, I don't know you know, if there'll be a thing where people can design their own and upload it for other people to, to do. There is a store involved for microtransactions uh, and stuff like that there. 
where for coins, and when you if you buy if you buy the pro version, it gives you 300 coins to begin with. You can buy certain blocks and recipes for blocks and stuff like that. Can you earn the coins in play? No, you can't. Okay. It also gives you well, three three claims of property, which is looking on like a Minecraft map would be one square on the map. That's a claim. A chunk. A, a chunk. chunk. Yeah. yeah. Now with you can get more more claims uh, by one of two ways. You can pay a hundred coins for a claim. Or the first time you do it, it says, or trade in 50 pieces of coal. And then the next claim is like 100 pieces of, of obsidian. And I did those two yes. to get more claims. My third one, like right now, is 180 pieces of diamond. So, the I mean, fact that they've got microtransaction for me actually makes the game less interesting. I am not a fan of microtransactions. Well, I mean, it, you don't. It's not something that you ever have to do and look at. I mean, it's just various fancy blocks that really you can't find the the recipes for anywhere else. Okay. And I only bought what? one set one set of blocks because they looked really neat. And when you put a a modern futuristic lamp behind it, a torch, it glows out, and it's kind of like it's kind of like a psychedelic blue stained glass. Um, what what, do, what does a claim mean in that game? Uh, that just like you said, a chunk. Claim? Yes, yes, but but the fact that it's yours, what does that mean? Uh, that means you can block off and set the rules of who can come in. People can't come in and they dig in there unless you give them permission to. They can't steal from you, etc. Okay, okay. So, so you can still build elsewhere. It's just that this is a place where you get to control the environment. Yeah, and I mean, depending on server to... Like my server owner says, tells people they can't build within two claim spots of another claim. There has yeah. to be two two chunk buffer always. That, that that's that's interesting. That that that's an interesting concept. Uh, you know, granted, I am not a, a, I don't multiplay, so I don't play with other people. So for me, it'd be rather irrelevant, but. Well, I'm trying to get people to come join me here to Squid and I used to make fantastic things. And I think he should pop in and and help me with my little place. So well, maybe maybe when maybe once um Walking Dead and uh Game of Thrones are done, he'll he'll have time. Game of Thrones is done. I don't know if he's watching Walking Dead. He was talking that he may not come back this season. Ah, he he was ticked off like everyone else about the uh, the cliffhanger last season. Well, I wasn't ticked off about it. <clears throat> but this game does have some neat technology. I mean, you can you can create tele transporters to get around, so people 
elaborate transporter rooms, and that's what I use my gold blocks for is a transporter room to give it a better look to it, stuff like that. So, fun game. Good group of people I'm with now. They're they're pleasant enough, so. So I'm enjoying it. That's Universe. And it's on Steam. Yep, I've seen it. All right. Well, it's past time, so I'm going to get ready to close this out. So any uh, parting comments, Kindar? Stay away from Minecraft. It's addictive. Well, that's only if you don't let it get addicted, addicting to you. I mean, I play this game. I put it aside. I don't have it running right now, so. I am happy you're able to do that. I wish I could do that. I I, I really do. Because I love the game. I really love it. Well, I mean, and it, I, I, I was the same way with Ark. Survival Evolved. When I did my show, I would have Ark running in the background. <laughs> this one here? No. And I haven't been on Ark for a couple of months now since they closed down our server. And he said, let's start over on another server. I'm kind of like, no, I don't want to start uh, over all over again. <laughs> well, considering, considering what you were talking about, how long some stuff took to do, I can understand why you don't want to start all over. Well, I mean, in like the server my friend had was uh, one where he had increased the stats a little bit. There was like a 5% increase in harvesting and taming and stuff like that. And he wanted to go to a strictly vanilla. I'm kind of like, oh, you want us to go backwards? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and like the way you were talking about the game, everything took a, a really long time. So I. Well, it took a long time with him having 5 and 7% increases. Can you imagine going to yeah, that increase? So- yeah, exactly. So it takes even longer. So I, you know, I've never played it, and it, it's not appealing to me, but I was I would go, I don't even want to try it at that point. Well, in fact, I might have to look up and just see what what updates have been added since I left. They were always increasing, adding new dinos and stuff like that, so. But, Kindar, thank you very much. We'll be back on in a couple of weeks to have another show. And until then, here is the lovely Megan to take us out. Let's see what this baby can do. Thank you for joining us on The Media Outsiders. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on iTunes. Search for The Media Outsiders. Follow us on Twitter at Media Outsiders. Join us each Sunday night at 9 p.m. Central. The talk show ID is 815. This is the lovely Megan, and we will see you next time. Robot. Online. Standing by. Return to docking bay and power down.